It's good to see each one here this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're just going to skip the message and have the women sing to us for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> it was very beautiful, ladies. Thank you for uh, singing. Thank you, Nate, for leading that. April 18th, Mary and I had the opportunity to travel with the Schaeferstown senior class on their trip to Grenada. Uh, Megan and me and Grace was from church here. And we arrived uh, Tuesday afternoon, traveled to our place where we were going to spend the week. And then our first activity on Wednesday morning was to go to Granny uh, Tang and to hike the trail to Mount Kwakwa. So if you've ever been to Grenada, you know where I'm at. And if not, you should travel there sometime and check it out. So we got to this trail, uh, signed in, which we had to do, across the road and headed up to where, our, to the, where the trail started. And the trail started out nice and wide, actually similar to the aisle here. And uh, as we were walking along a little bit, I thought, well, this is going to be an easy, rather pleasant hike. Uh, nice and wide. I think there's a small bridge with a railing on. Well, this, this is not going to be a problem. Um, most of the class, eager to reach the top, were way out, way out ahead of us. And we were kind of coming up from in the back of the, of the, the group. And... Before long, the, the trail got steep, and uh, some spots were very narrow. And you you get to a steep spot, and there someone before, I don't know who, who it was, but actually cut notches into the, the, the earth so you can actually take steps to get up the, up the steep parts of the hill. And we, we took those spots, and away we went. Other times, the trail was that steep going down, you needed to uh, grab onto trees or branches to keep yourself from, from slipping. And then there were parts of the trail where you're walking along and it just simply dropped off and to the point where you couldn't even see the bottom. So we kept on uh, pressing on and we hadn't gone too far when there was a small opening in, on, in the trees to our right and uh, one of the guys said, see, see way up there across the mountain, that's where we're headed. And it, I thought it would be a little bit uh, faster just to go that route, but we could not. We had to follow the trail, but it was at quite a distance to go. And after climbing another one of those very steep spots with the, the notches in the side of the ground, we, I thought, well, we must be pretty close to the top. And then he told it, I was told, well, we still have at least four or, four, four or five more of those places to climb. Okay, so we'll keep on going. There were about two places where the trail got extremely narrow. When I say extremely, I'm talking probably about, I don't know, 12 to 18 inches wide. But both sides just dropped off, just right down. Again, you couldn't see the bottom. And later we heard that one of the students actually slipped off there and needed help to be pulled back onto the trail. There were a few spots where it opened up a tad, and if you took the time to stop, turn around and look, and look to the one side, you could see the ocean way out in the distance. Down there was a cruise ship terminal. If you looked the other way, you saw, got a good view of, of the Grand Tang Lake. So we were getting higher and higher. We continued on. Along the trail, there was razor grass, is what uh, they called that, which was tall grass right along the trail that had sharp edges. That, of course, if you brushed along it, you could about imagine what, what would happen. A few places on the trail, there were large rocks that you either had to step over or around. And finally, after a, according to uh, the website, it was 2.7 mile, 
which yes, to me it felt like more six or seven, we finally reached the top. And uh, the view from the top was worth it all. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of you saw pictures, but the students all, there was some huge rock up there, extremely, extremely dangerous, in case you mothers want to know my definition of it. And the students were, yes, standing up top there. It was very windy, and they, of course they had to stand up on the rock to get good pictures. And I just kind of cringed from back there, but away they went. Everything worked out well. But from the top of this trail, the view was worth it all. You could see the beauty of God's creation for miles. Now just compare that short 2.7-mile hike with your spiritual journey through life. And yeah, you can't stand up here for five minutes and describe your journey, but just compare a short hike with your spiritual journey. There's going to be times as you're on your spiritual journey where you will need to uh, hold on to a brother or sister as we, as we navigate the trail. There'll be times we need to step carefully to avoid the pitfalls in life. We will encounter things along the way that's going to attempt to distract us from pressing on. But when we reach the top, heaven will surely be worth it all. And the question to start with this morning, how committed are you in your walk with the Lord? How committed are you in your walk with the Lord? Are you walking carefully? Are you avoiding the dangers uh, along the way? I mentioned the student slipped and, and uh, off the trail and he had scratches on his arms, but I believe a, a careful, committed walk with the Lord will provide us a safe journey to our eternal home. We need to walk with the Lord on this side of eternity if we want to walk with Him throughout eternity. We need to walk with Him today if we want to walk with Him and when this life on this earth is over. Colossians 2.6, As ye therefore have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk ye in Him. We are going to go uh, continue our study in Colossians with our theme, Complete in Christ. This morning I plan to cover the first six verses in, in chapter 2. And our title this morning is Walk in the Lord, taken from verse 6, which I, I just read. So before we get started in chapter 2, just a, a brief review on chapter 1. Paul was writing uh, to the church at Colossae here, to the saints and faithful believers in Christ, and his prayer for the church was that they would walk worthy of the Lord. So we're talking about walking this morning, and we covered that well also in our Sunday school lesson. Does this describe your life, your spiritual walk? Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, we're walking, not taking a hike to, uh, to Mount Kwakwa, but we're on our journey through life. Does verse 10, can that be said about you? As we move on in the review, remember the, the blessings in verses 12 and 13. Believers have been given what? An inheritance with the saints. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. We have been translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, what do we have? We have redemption. There we find the forgiveness of sins. You look at verses 15 through 19, describe who Jesus is, the image of God, 
the firstborn of every creature, the creator of all things. He was before all in creation. And if you remember the next one, by him all things consist. When we looked at how he's in control of the universe, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. In him all the fullness of God dwells. Verses 20 through 22, look at what Jesus did for you and I. Provided peace with his shed blood. He reconciled us. He is able to present us to God in an unblameable and unreprovable state. How? Verse 23, if we remain grounded and settled in the faith. We were born with a sinful nature, each one. We have fallen short of God's grace, but... When we are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ, then he is able to take us to our Heavenly Father in a pure state. He will remove our sin and our filth, and we will be blameless. Verse 27, the mystery of the gospel is revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a beautiful truth for all believers. Christ dwells within us, and we have the future... The, uh, uh, anticipation looking forward to meeting him in glory and this is all there uh, how could we say laid out for you and I for those who are faithful so again we repeat we need to walk with the Lord on this side of eternity if we want to walk with him throughout eternity what's Paul's main one of Paul's main goals here we see in verse 28 to present every man perfect in Jesus Christ so you go back to verse 10, and I ask the question, does this describe you? But what about verse 28? Are we perfect in Christ? And the perfect, you've got to look at that definition carefully. But are we striving for perfection? Are we striving for perfection? Perfect, ready, prepared, and ready to meet the Lord. And thus we have our, uh, our theme complete in Christ, because in Christ Jesus... Is the only place where we can be complete in our spiritual lives because of the price that he paid for you and I. Are we walking our journey through life with Jesus Christ? Then we get to chapter 2 where Paul reaffirms his love for the church, reminds them that Jesus Christ is sufficient to make them all that God wants him, them to be. And that's a key point in our study. If we want to be complete in Christ, we need to be in Christ because Christ is sufficient to make you and I everything that God wants us to be. So apart from all else, are we in Christ? Here we will find peace and fulfillment in Christ and in Christ alone. We, uh, everything that we need today and our hope for eternal life is found where? In Jesus Christ. So I ask a lot of questions. I'll go back over them real quickly. Are we walking on our spiritual journey? Is our spiritual journey that we're walking on pleasing Christ? Is your life a pleasing Christ? And are you in Christ and walking with him? Let's read for, uh, Colossians 2 verses 1 through 6. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and, and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say... Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, 
Yet I am with you in the spirit, joined and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So Paul addresses his concern for the people at Colossae as well as them at Laodicea. And these two cities were approximately 10 miles apart, located in what today is considered western Turkey. But he wanted them to know that he labored for them in prayer. So here's a prayer for the people. And prayer often involves struggle, especially intercessory prayer on the, on the behalf of others. Prayer could also be described as a war. And it was kind of interesting to note that. It takes the very best a person has to offer and asks that they fight with diligence. Or does that sound like our prayer life? We're talking about our walk, now a little bit about our, our prayer life. Paul also said in, in Romans uh, 15.30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. And I'm, I'm confident that we all have a prayer life. But are we taking that to the point, are we striving in our prayer life? Are we praying fervently and diligently? I think Paul was taking his prayer life to a new level for the believers here at Colossae. He was aware of the false teaching that they were, facing, that they were faced with. He, was, he knew what they were struggling with. But he all, and so he knew their need for, uh, for fervent prayer. So when Paul, just a little bit of a background again, where was Paul when he was writing this? Was he with the people? No, he was chained to a prison guard far away in Rome. So was he asking to be relieved from his chain? No, he was, uh, his great concern was about the dangerous doctrine that was circling and being taught here in the early church. We see he would, his preference would have been to have been with the church and to confront these false teachers face to face, but he was in prison and could not go there, so he, he left it to God and left it to God through the avenue of prayer. He couldn't be there with the people. And sometimes we, we cannot talk to people about God. But nothing can prevent us from talking to God about them. So your mind's running. Do you know of someone who you cannot talk to God about? I'd like to leave you with a challenge this morning. Think about someone right now who you know that is not open to the gospel. Think about someone who's not open to the gospel. And maybe not, you don't have to do it immediately, but tonight or tomorrow or throughout the next couple weeks, pray for them. Strive in prayer. Be diligent in prayer. Pray fervently for them, asking that God would open their hearts and bring them to Jesus Christ. And maybe you're thinking about someone who has, who has walked away from God. Or you're thinking about someone whose hearts have become hard. But what we cannot do is give up. We need to continue to pray on their behalf. Maybe a little bit of a side note. Many people think that, that America is the place to be. Thinking that, well, if, if they could only reach the country that you and I live in, that all would be good. And, and now I'm not... I'm not saying that we're living in a bad country, but I would like to say this. Uh, church this morning, America needs revival. And I think this country needs the Lord, 
and may I call each one here this morning to pray on that, on that behalf, that there be revival in our land. Church, we need to be fervent in prayer. Yes, again, that person that came to your mind that needs the Lord, and also for our country. We need to remember, keep praying. Uh, Paul says, I knew what great conflict I have for you. Are we burdened uh, with, the, with the fact that there are lost in this country, in, in this world? Or do we have a burden for that brother or sister that came to your mind? Are we going to pray for them? Is it a great conflict that we have? And revival in our land. Church, we need to be in fervent prayer. The purpose of his prayer, he moves on here in verse 2, that the believers would be comforted or encouraged. So yeah, he's writing to them to address a concern, but he wanted to encourage them in their spiritual walk. He goes and says that their hearts will be knit together. Their hearts will be joined together with strong ties of love. And I think here we see a, a key ingredient for a strong church. Yeah, prayer is a needed ingredient along with, with love and unity. And then I have thinking that we often go to the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer. But here I think we see another model prayer in verse 2. That our hearts, let's look at it from, uh, just say it's from our church here at Meyerstown. Our hearts might be comforted. Our hearts would be knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. And the verse continues, is that our prayer for the church? He continues to say that believers would have a deeper and fuller understanding and knowledge of God. What a desire. Ephesians 1.7, that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Did you ever desire that? You know, the more we understand about Christ, the more we will know about our Father God. There have been many times, and will continue to be times, where I ask God, you know, God, give me a deeper level of understanding and knowledge of your word. Just open my understanding and fill me with your spirit so I can understand. Help me to understand, Lord. Show me truth and meaning. And Lord, just fill me with knowledge and wisdom. And here, that's exactly what Paul was asking for the believers. Lord, open their understanding. Fill them with your spirit and knowledge. And knowledge and understanding of the truth are what they needed and is what we need today as well as we are aware of the false teachers circling through society. So where is wisdom and knowledge found? Look in verse 3. In whom, going back to uh, Jesus Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. Genuine wisdom is hid in a person, not in facts that we might find written on a piece of paper. The word hid does not mean that knowledge is unknown to man. It's not that, well, we can never understand it, but rather it is laid up Stored away, reserved, and made available for who? For those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Who is the source of all wisdom and knowledge? It's hid for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything finds meaning through Jesus Christ. He is the source of all truth. Everything anyone wants to know about God... And his purposes in the world are answered in the person of Jesus Christ. Earlier I said, are you walking with Christ? It's everything comes there. You take Christ out of our lives, and what do we have left? Would you be concerned if I said 
there's someone underneath that car out there taking the oil plug out. Uh, now he went to the second uh, white truck. Watch it. You could start it when after church is over, but you wouldn't get very far. By the way, no one's out there. <clears throat> and in the same way in your spiritual life, you, you can't go through life very long, or you won't get very far spiritually without Jesus Christ. Is he in our life? Like oil in the car, we need, we need Jesus Christ in our lives if we want to go on or through life. Today, people are looking for things that fill that void in their life. And many are turning to drugs and alcohol, ungodly living in wickedness. But Jesus Christ is the answer for this world. He is the only one who can give that living water that every thirsty soul needs so that our thirst will be quenched. And we will not need to look anywhere else for peace and fulfillment. Jesus Christ and he he alone is able to satisfy our hearts. Church, our We are complete in Christ. So those who have found Christ, don't look anywhere else. We are complete in Christ. Are we looking for godly wisdom? Are we looking for more wisdom each and every day? James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and unbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If you lack wisdom, ask God. And you, he will give it to you. Verse 6 tells us, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. We don't have time to turn to it, but if you want a, a good read sometime, just read Proverbs 2. You think of wisdom, how we're not supposed to shun away from it, but look for it. Proverbs 2 is a, a good uh, chapter there to read. Our desire for knowledge and wisdom will draw us closer to the Lord, and he is our source of truth. Brothers and sisters, we need to walk with the Lord on this side of eternity if you want to walk with him throughout eternity. Is Jesus Christ part of your life? Point number two, the steadfastness of your faith, taken from verse five. Uh, Again, though I be absent in the flesh, I mentioned that Paul wasn't with the people, but he's in prison, yet I'm with you in the spirit. Join and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. It almost appears that Paul was on a roll with the first couple verses of this chapter, but then he remembered his purpose for writing. He said, I'm telling you this because of the smooth talkers who are trying to deceive you, verse 4. The false teachers were using enticing words similar to the tactics of a a high-pressure salesman. The false teachers were saying things that sounded right and true, but there was error mixed in with the truth. Like a Drop of food coloring in a, in a uh, glass of clear water changes the whole outlook. Just a little bit of air in with truth. False teachers often promote teachings that cater to pride. And one of their main goals is to draw a crowd to themselves. So these false teachers desire a following group, but through it all they're ignoring the seriousness of sin and eternal judgment. And I had to stop and think a little bit, and maybe you, you never asked these questions, but did you ever ask these two questions? Why are some people so bent on mixing false doctrine with absolute truth? You have the, your Bibles on your laps this morning. You're, you have truth there. Why do people try, some people try to mix some false doctrine in with that? Second question, did you ever ask, why is it so difficult for some to simply believe God's word? 
without attempting to add or subtract from it. We have absolute truth, as I just mentioned. Why must we try to add or subtract? Revelation 22 announces punishment for anyone who adds or subtracts from the truth that is written in God's word. So with that in mind, are we, are we aware of false teachers in our day today? And are we standing strong? Are we rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word? Which, of course, I think I'm jumping ahead to verse 7 there, rooted and built up in him, which we'll have to look at at a, uh, a later time. So Paul was not, we're back jumping to verse 5, Paul was not with the church, but had received a detailed report that they were doing fine through the attacks of uh, false doctrine. So he complimented them on their order. They were an organized church, operating, operating a good system with healthy discipline, and he said that the church was not operating in a careless way. Then he mentioned their, the steadfastness of their faith in Christ. So again, writing to warn them against false teachings, but took the time to tell the church that he was impressed with their faith. Steadfastness means a firm foundation or stiffly adhering to faith in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a notable compliment. Your steadfast faith is noted. The believers were standing strong against the charges of the enemy. They were sound in doctrine, strict in discipline, and Paul is telling us he rejoiced to see this. <clears throat> Christians who make Christ their sole focus and the core of their faith will be able to reject false teachers and remain steadfast. And one thing about the Christian life, this, I probably said it before, but Christ has the plan, the, the gospel message right there, and the promises are right there. It's for all who will, but we have the responsibility on our part as well. Christians who make Christ their sole focus. And there's so many things in this world that try to distract us. We were, we were hiking that trail to Mount Kwakwa. If we would have got distracted and walked off the side and brushed against the razor grass, you know what would have happened. Or not pick on the one student, got distracted and slipped and fell. But it's such a, a perfect parallel to our spiritual lives. Is Christ our sole focus and the center of our faith? The faithful Christian will have the smile of the Creator upon their lives. As Christ looks down this morning, is He smiling upon your life? A few more questions, if you allow. Why are you here this morning? Maybe that's a vague question. Here's another one Why are you a Christian? Is it not because of the hope or the anticipation of receiving your crown and glory? Is the Christian life always easy? The answer is no. So then why are you going through it? Is it not because of the expectation of meeting Jesus Christ face to face? Is it not because of the promise of eternal life? 1 Corinthians 15, 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. I don't think we're here this morning being faithful because of what we're going to receive tomorrow. No, we have the, we're looking forward to eternal life. Today, yes, we're blessed to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within our hearts. 
And he's in there providing guidance and direction and, and wisdom as we saw. But we know a better day is coming. A better day is coming. So we're here this morning to learn more and more about Jesus Christ and to stay close by his side. So in light of eternity, is there anything more important in life than, than our solid, steadfast faith in Jesus Christ? And start thinking. You're thinking, well, that big fish I like to catch, that big buck I would like to shoot. I'm not saying that's not important. Don't get me wrong. But on the spiritual side of things, is there anything more important than just adhering to Jesus Christ and following him into eternity? Above all else, there's nothing else more important than that. So are we steadfast, steadfast in our faith of Jesus Christ? And again, we need to walk with the Lord on this side of eternity. You need to walk with him today if you are hoping or planning to walk with him throughout eternity. Now we get to verse 6 with our third point, uh, walk in the Lord. As ye therefore, as ye have therefore received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him. And this verse is divided into two parts based on faith and practice. So people come to faith in the Lord with empty hands, nothing to offer. But at the foot of the cross, they receive the gift of Jesus Christ, and this motivates motivate their daily choices and direction. So I asked this morning, are you walking in the Lord? Are your family, friends, and your neighbors, neighbors able to see that you're different because of your walk with Christ? Can people see that you are walking with Christ? Yes, we all have goals in life. We all have places that we need to be. We all have projects we need to complete. We have occupations we need to maintain. We have families we are raising, and the list could go on. But through it all, are you walking with Christ 24-7? Back up in my notes a little bit. Is there anything more important than your walk with Christ? There was a wedding here yesterday, and there was two people, I'm sure, who had something very important for the day. And I don't fault them for that at all. But in our spiritual lives, is there anything more important than our walk with the Lord? Verse 6 could be uh, reworded and said, Therefore, just as you have accepted the teachings, the teaching that presents Jesus as both the Messiah and Lord, so continue to maintain that relationship with him. The only way we know we have received pardon and forgiveness for sins is because we believe the message of God's word concerning Jesus Christ and his work for us. To receive him is to bow before him as our sovereign ruler. And that is to lay aside our agenda and to give him our all. When we accept him as our savior, he becomes what? He becomes our master. So we're no longer going to be following the old master, the father of lies, but our new master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will walk in him. <clears throat> to walk in him is to place him in the highest place in our lives. Our walk with him must be our top priority, our primary focus, our life. So yeah, we all have things that we need to do. I mentioned that earlier, but is Christ your all? Our walk, as used in the New Testament, is to describe our manner of life. We know that to walk is to advance by steps. And Paul used this term 32 times in the epistles to refer to our visible conduct. So people know you for who you are. Do people know 
without asking that you are a child of God. You don't have to talk to a stranger very long to discover if they're following Christ. Why not? Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, our words will reveal what is in our heart. The condition of our heart will be revealed by the language that we use. I'm in sales. I meet different people all the time. And you don't have to talk to someone very long and realize, okay, I know where this child's at, this boy's at, and so on and so forth. Is your walk with the Lord important to you? Go back to that fish and that big buck. Is that important to you? That turkey, that bear? Ladies, fill in the blanks. Is your walk with the Lord important to you? Recently, I talked to a man who had built a new house, and he said he told his builder and his excavator, he said, a dry basement is of utmost importance to me in this new house. He had a water in his basement in his previous house, and he wanted to make sure that everything possible was done, that he had a dry basement in his new home. A dry basement is of utmost importance. Is walking with Christ important to you? Is it on the top of the list of important facts in your life? The Living Bible paraphrases this verse well. It says, As and now, just as you trusted in Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. If Christ is strong enough and powerful enough to save us for all eternity, surely he can help us with each day's problems. So to trust is to love and to obey, to follow, to imitate, and yes, to walk in. So take verse 6 and maybe apply it to our, to our lives each day as we continue on in the Christian life, as we place full confidence and trust and faith in Him. So our journey through life may take us on some rough paths. At times, the trail may cause us to slow down as we carefully press on, placing one foot ahead of the other. We will be faced with temptations. There will be crossroads. There will be pitfalls. You will encounter slippery spots. You will have to pass through narrow passages. Some days there will be steep rocky mountain paths to go on. And along the way there's going to be a host of distractions that are going to try to attempt to take you off the straight and narrow way. It will happen. But the reward, reward of walking in Christ will be worth it all when we get to the top and meet Christ Jesus face to face. There are going to be days. You're going to have days. But the reward will be worth it all. As we were hiking that trail we're talking about, there are many times I stopped to catch my breath. Then we got to the top, and I, talked, I figured out who was the first one up. And he said, yep, that was the first one here. So I said, well, how many times did you have to stop? Oh, he stopped a couple times as well. So there are times, regardless how much energy you have, you got to stop, take time to catch your breath, regroup, and continue to press on. But he didn't turn back. He kept going until he reached the top. Are we going to press on? Are we going to give it our all? Are we going to be committed and say, Lord, I'm going to walk with you regardless of what comes our way. Walk daily 
with the Savior. And I took a few verses from the Sunday School book. Uh, we need to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. 1 John 1, 7. We need to walk to please God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. We are to walk in wisdom towards them that are without. Colossians 4, 7. A verse we'll cover later. We need to walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. I go back to verse 10 in chapter 1. Are we walking worthy? Then we go to chapter 2, verse 6. Are we walking in the Lord? Church, we need to walk with the Lord on this side of eternity if we want to walk with him throughout eternity. That's Paul's for prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning. We just say thank you, God, for the clear instruction that you give in your word, also for the promises that you give us. Thank you, Lord for the plan of salvation that you have given to us, the gift. And I pray, Lord, that we all here this morning could be faithful as we accept that gift and walk with you. We're aware, Lord, of the struggles and things we're going to uh, encounter as we go through life. But, Lord, help us just to press on faithfully, knowing that it'll be worth it all when we reach the top and, and see you face to face. Forgive us where we have failed. Give us wisdom to press on. May we be children of yours walking a faithful journey throughout our lives and looking forward to the day when we can meet you. Thank you for this time together. Just give us direction, we pray in your name. Amen. Song, please, Nate.